Cracking Copy is a marketing and copywriting podcast where we lift the lid on writing for business and read between the lines of effective copy. This is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and savvy business owners like you who understand the value that great copy can bring to their bottom line. We dive into a different aspect of writing for business in each episode, debunk the myths about how we should write and explore the ways that writing can be fun, conversational and creative, while also being high impact for serious results. So listen, laugh and learn with us, Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride, as we share our words and wisdom in each snack-sized episode. Expect some light bulb moments, interesting guests and practical takeaways as we crack the copy code together. Hello and welcome to Podcasting for Beginners Part 2, all about how to start a podcast. Minnie and I launched Cracking Copy um, in May of 2022 and we taught ourselves how to do it. So we are armed now with this information that I think because we did it all ourselves and we've learned this stuff ourselves, we feel qualified now to tell other people how to do it. And that's what we're doing in a program that we've got coming up, Launch Your Indie Podcast. And today we just want to run through the steps, the production steps of how we produce an episode. Yes. So in our last uh, episode, as you probably remember, we just talked about how we started and our story and how we really got to where we've got to with this podcast. So today, yes, talking about our standard operating procedure, (laughs) you know, you need to be thinking about the different steps that you have to take. And in sort of simple terms, it's sort of four main stages. There's recording, editing, publishing and promoting. So if we go into a little bit more detail about the production process, how we go about it, we think we've got quite a good system. Yeah. So we start off with pre-planning. Part one, I guess, is uh, pre-planning. So we're brainstorming ideas in Trello. Now we use uh, Trello to store all our ideas. So they're all in one place. I think that works really well. Um, We do have a shared drive, Google Drive, and we do have documents and things in there. Uh, But we do our brainstorming mainly in Trello. We have a weekly meeting. And during those meetings, we are talking about uh, what themes we're going to be looking at, talking about people that have approached us uh, via our form to be on the podcast. And we talk about who they are and maybe ask them for a bit more information. We schedule a guest, guests in our calendars. So Ella does some and I do some. We find out if they've got any kind of kit at all. I did one podcast where one of my guests didn't have a mic. And although it was a fantastic interview, the quality wasn't quite as it should have been. Not that that mattered particularly, because it was a great, a great episode. But it's quite good to check before you book someone or when you book someone, give them a bit of a checklist of of what would be helpful. That's the pre-planning. And then planning stage is the sort of pre-recording where we would write a show script or interview questions. Sometimes we have a bit of a script. It really depends, doesn't it? I think if you and I are talking about something quite complex, we have bullet points in our script to help <laughs> to help us along so we know where we are. It's also really good to have a structure. Even if that's just to jot down a few notes on what we're talking about, you know, some sort of thing that will help us work our way through in a logical process. 
Yeah, I think it's been particularly helpful for me because I get quite nervous doing it, which is really silly because I'm just sitting here in my office on my own. <laughs> don't know why I'm nervous, but you do. So it is really helpful. And then we might edit the script to talk about that. And sometimes we do a rehearsal, don't we? Well, certainly we run through the notes beforehand. Before, yeah. And occasionally, now interestingly with, with guests, some guests like to dive straight in. And some like to have a sort of pre-meeting. I think I think we've decided, don't we, that it actually works better not to have a pre-meeting. Yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Having a going through the podcast before you record the podcast, because sometimes the best stuff comes in out in that spontaneous conversation, that informal chat you have before you go live on air, and then something happens when you hit record that makes people stiffen up a little bit and suddenly a bit forgetful. I think we've learned the hard way on this, that we've actually missed some gems by having those sort of pre-meetings and pre, pre-chats. pre We've missed some gems by not recording that and not having that in the final podcast. So now I think just, you know, agree the outline together. Um, if your host does want to see the questions in advance, I personally see no harm in, in letting them in. I don't want to surprise anyone. No one should have any nasty surprises. They should be aware of you know what the structure is and what we're going to talk about. And then just dive straight in. That would be my approach now from experience. Moving on from planning, we, we then re- talk about recording. Uh, we record our shows on Zoom about 15 to 30 minutes per episode. That is the goal. Um, time it. Um, <laughs> Minnie and I have a habit of going over. I um, think that partly is because there's the two of us talking and we can, you know, we spark ideas in each other and, and sometimes conversation goes on a bit, little bit longer. But we want to create bite-sized episodes where we can. We assign a batch recording day, third Friday of the month. Again, this is a sort of on our wish list this we don't always adhere to batch recording but that is the, that is the dream <laughs> i think the dream is to to be able to think of some uh, maybe three episode ideas and then record them back to back and then you know we can edit those and then they're dealt with and we can pre-schedule them and they go out but in reality uh we tend to not do batching so much at the moment and just do one episode at a time. That would be a more efficient way to work. I think there's quite a lot of energy that it takes to record a podcast episode and there's quite a lot of time in the planning. I would say I spend four times the amount of planning an episode than I do recording it. So for two hours of planning for a a 30-minute show, something like that. And the more planned it is and the more researched it is in the beginning, I think the better the output at the end. Yeah, but Um, you talk about the energy, actually. It would be good mm -hmm. to get all that energy and continue the energy and continue the conversation in a way because you you get yourself into the zone, don't you? So actually to, to batch record when you're in the zone would be great. Yeah, like I say, it's our goal, isn't it, to get to that point. Then after we've recorded our episode, we will upload that. Now, typically, we have been recording on Zoom. So if you've listened to episode 1 to 30, they have been recorded on Zoom, which we thought worked fine until we recently we've tried recording on Libsyn, and actually the quality of the recording is better. So this episode is recording in our hosted platform. They have recording software, so we record it there. And the sound quality is better. It's picking up more detail. 
So whichever you, way you choose to record, that's fine. You can download that recording afterwards. You want to have it as an MP3 file or a WAV file. And we put that unedited recording onto our Google Drive. We use Google Drive to share that information. It's easy for us to then both access it. And we'll put that in a folder. We'll rename it with the correct episode title and number. We've both got a mic, a microphone, which is a USB plug-in microphone, plugs into our computer. We have the type which is on a boom arm, which keeps it off the desk. So I think if we knock into the desk during recording or whatever, it's not going to vibrate. It's not going to make that noise. It's a standalone thing and it can move around. It's nothing flashy. We both have, um, you know, inexpensive mics, but they, they do make a difference. And I think even the, the cheaper tech is pretty good now. We've also recently invested in um, some headphones. Um, we've, again, managed our first few episodes without using headphones, but I think you get a clearer recording. And our philosophy has always been you can invest in more expensive kit as you go. Um, it, you know, it depends on your budget. To start with, we'd encourage keeping things really simple and inexpensive. And, and that's, that's all you need to get started. The next part of our process is editing. So Minnie and I take turns to edit. Um, I use Audacity because I am working on a PC. Uh, Minnie has an Apple Mac, don't you, Minnie? I do, yes. So uh, I use GarageBand, but I can use Audacity as well, and I have used both. But I tend to, so GarageBand is my default, really. The beauty of these two editing softwares is they're absolutely free. Um, GarageBand comes if you have Apple products. It's installed in your smartphone it's, it'll be installed on your apple mac um, audacity you download it from the microsoft store um, but it's or, or wherever you get your apps from but it's completely free and then obviously there's a learning curve you have to learn how to use those things we work on a minimum effective editing rule so <laughs> jargonistic term thrown around in the podcast industry but the mee uh, rules which mean that you edit the show really as simply as possible um, we add the intro and the outro music um, we listen to each recording and we'll check for and remove any bloopers um, I think the common feeling at the moment is you know leave some ums and ahs in because that sounds human you don't have to remove every single one um, it's personal preference really if we tend to um and ah a lot in our recording then we will go through and sort of comb those out because I don't like to hear my voice back when I'm going uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe we recognize it more than other people do, but yeah, it's like when you look in the mirror, you're always more self-critical of your own reflection, but you know, other people don't see you in the same way. Other people don't hear your voice in the same way that you'll hear your voice. Um, I think, you know, don't fuss about it too much, but if you have got any, you know, do make any mistakes, you have any brain freezes throughout your conversation or whatever, you can just polish that and edit that podcast. And it does have the overall effect of tightening it up. It reduces the time it takes to listen through the episode uh, if you've taken out some of those pauses and mistakes. The next step would be to normalize the sound. Um, and why by that, in, in terms of editing, it just means that the volume has a consistent level throughout the recording especially if there are two voices um, two microphones being used the volume can be different on each track so we would normalize the sound I would also in audacity remove the background noise so before we start a podcast um, we would just record a couple of seconds of silence then that picks up any room noise so if there are any computer fans whirring or printers printing or dogs barking away whatever in the background you can actually clean that sort of background noise from the overall recording 
You can cut and paste sections of your tracks, your individual recording tracks, if absolutely necessary. And then we would save and upload our edited podcast again. Save it as a, an MP3 file, as one single file, and put that in our Google Drive again under edited podcasts. Yes, it all sounds quite organised. And actually, it's great that it's organised because both of us know where everything is. So that's great. So the next stage is to actually publish. Before we do that, we would collate the show notes that we've written for the corresponding episode. A quick note about show notes is that they are important. And it is really important that you talk about what is on the episode so that somebody knows before they listen. And also you can pop resources in. So if there are things or, or websites that you want people to go to that you've talked about, you know, you can pop those in the show notes. So it's actually really useful. Now, Ella and I use uh, Libsyn. We upload to the Libsyn RSS feed and Libsyn then will distribute our podcast to all of the podcast players. Mm-hmm. Then what we do is... Well, you put it on your website, don't you? Yeah, I'll update my website. And just uh, just to skip back a bit, RSS is another podcast acronym. It means really simple syndication. It's the way that a podcast host will distribute that show to the different players. Yeah. Once we've done that, we pop it on websites or our social media and refresh the feed and we just then check that it has appeared on the main podcast platforms such as Apple, uh, Spotify, Google, etc. So we pay for Libsyn and we started off when we first started using Coolcast and Coolcast was a free uh, platform. It was a startup, but the problem with it was we didn't get any stats. So we weren't able to properly monitor or analyze what we were doing as in what the best episodes were in terms of downloads we didn't have any of that information and I think the problem with a lot of the free platforms or the 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 free options on the platforms is that that's the kind of information that you won't get whereas if you pay and it doesn't cost a fortune I think we pay something like 10 pounds a month uh, perhaps a little bit more but we get a hell of a lot for our money. I mean, we're recording our podcast on there. We can upload. We've got all the stats. And mm. so far, we've been really happy, haven't we, with Libsyn? I mean, the other options that you could think about is Buzzsprout. Well, there's loads, aren't there? Yeah, of course. Mine goes blank now, but um, there are lots of different platforms where you can uh, host your podcast and record yeah. your podcast, for that matter. Yeah, and I think this, this studio has worked well, hasn't it? I quite enjoy the only thing is we haven't got video, which you do have with Zoom. So it really depends on. And I know, think if you, if you want... went through Descript or Riverside, they can probably get the video there. So if you wanted to put your podcast as a YouTube, you know, if you wanted a YouTube channel and then take the audio and extract that for a podcast, you'd need something that records a video as well. Yeah. And then we promote it. So we tend to promote ours on our socials and via email. But the great thing is, is we can repurpose them and we repurpose them and put details from, you know, golden nuggets from the podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, but obviously there's other platforms that you, you might be using YouTube as, as Ella mentioned. Then one of the uh, soundbite apps. So, you know, when you see where you can see a little snippet on people's socials of of the podcast. We use a a free app called Headliner, and we can create those really easily. 
there are again various apps out there but we've always used headliner yeah headliner is really good and and they're called audiograms aren't they they're just sound bites from the podcast which you can then embed into a social media post so when people see it they're actually listening to a little extract from your podcast episode yeah Uh, we then would tag any collaborators pre-schedule and then we would publish we try and publish on a thursday every other week but it really depends on your podcast you might have a daily podcast or you might have a monthly one and and you can either publish it straight away or you can pre-schedule so if you're going on holiday or you're batch recording and batch editing you can then schedule them which is brilliant and then you know promote again so that's the process and it sounds time consuming but it actually isn't too bad is it no it's definitely a few hours worth of work hours in the planning the actual recording itself is is probably quite brief it takes a bit longer to do the editing at the moment for us but the more we do it, the quicker we get at it. So just to, to summarise those those steps that we've just talked through, we've got the pre-planning stage, the planning stage, recording, editing, publishing and promoting. And the other thing about promoting is we do notice a spike. Uh, when we promote a particular show on our social media or in our emails, we see that there's an increased amount of downloads during those days. 24 to 48 hours that we've promoted it. So what's also really good is when we are talking about other topics on our social media, if we can relate that back to a previous podcast episode, then that's a really good idea as well. So you can re, you know, you don't, it's not promote it, just promote that episode just one time. We promote it several times where it's relevant to the conversation that you're having. Again, that helps to, to get more downloads for those past episodes as well. Yeah, don't forget them, which is what's so great about them is you don't, you know, they're always there and you can always promote back. Mm -hmm. So you think you've got what it takes to promote a podcast. Now you've heard us talk about it. (laughs) Great. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast? If you're looking to learn all the steps to get your own podcast up and running, or you want to master the skills to help your clients with their podcasts, then we have the course for you. Our four-week course will support you at every stage, from concept to creation and publishing to promotion. To find out more, go to launchyourindiepodcast.com. Before we go, let's circle back to some of the key pieces of the puzzle so that, to ensure that you can stay focused and consistent with your show. By that, I mean, let's talk about audience and competitor research, because I wouldn't advise on embarking on any new venture without doing your homework first, and not, not if you want to see some results for your hard work. Um, conducting a competitor audit for your podcast is really crucial uh, for understanding the landscape and identifying opportunities and refining your strategy. So you can use podcast directories to search for what else is out there similar to your idea. Now, and what you're looking for is who are your main competitors in the podcasting space within your niche? What do your competitors offer that's successful? What are their weaknesses or what are the gaps that you're noticing? Because that's an opportunity for you to fill in those voids. Who's the audience that those podcasts are trying to reach? Can you can you identify that from doing your research and listening to the shows? Can you tailor your podcast to meet the needs of a specific, potentially underserved audience? And how often do your competitors publish new episodes? Do they have many reviews? Do they have much feedback? Is the show live and is up to date? There's a lot of 
dead wood out there in podcast directories. A lot of shows don't ever make it past the sort of they're under 10 episodes and they sort of peter out. So what does that tell you? If this if the show hasn't been published since 2022, then it's probably a goner. So just check that the show is live that you're looking at. Um, and how do your competitors, how do other podcasts show up on social media? What do they do to engage with their audience? And how can you really, ultimately, you're doing all this to work out how you can differentiate your podcast from existing options. So doing a competitor audit is going to give you valuable insights to refine your strategy and better serve your audience and position your podcast effectively within your niche. Yeah, I think market research generally is absolutely key. So once you know what the competition is for your idea, you then have to have a really in-depth plan for working out who your podcast is for and what it is that this ideal audience want. This really is a crucial first step in designing your podcast. Asking the right questions is really important to understanding who your potential audience is and also identifying opportunities and redefining your content strategy. So what is it that when you're doing your market research, might you ask a a potential listener? You need to have a think about who target audience is and what their demographics are. So how old are they? You know, where are they based? What are their interests and preferences related to your podcast niche? Ask them which other podcasts they're listening to, uh, how they go about listening. Are they in the car? Are they walking? Are they washing the dishes? Those sorts of questions are really helpful to get a bit more of an insight. Yes. And then also digging deeper too. So finding out what the main needs or the problems that they've got. So if they are let's let's say well we've talked about a sewing podcast before and it might be that people one of their issues is that where you know you can't you can't buy fabrics anymore where, where where's the best place for buying fabrics and so that if that's the sort of thing that comes up again and again in your research then you, you know that that would be a very good topic to talk about mm-hmm. so you also finding out how they would currently fulfill those needs or address those problems and then also, yes, are they listening to other podcasts in that space? And that's, we're talking about business podcasts, but people could be listening purely for entertainment. They might not be trying to solve a problem as such, or their problem might be, I'm a bit bored, what can I listen to entertain me? Think about the questions are going to be tailored depending on what you're trying to achieve. It's really good to be asking real people, your ideal listener, um, and getting an idea from them what they want from a podcast. Yes. And also what kind of podcasts? So if, if people are already consuming podcasts, you know, are they are they listening to interview type podcasts or are they more storytelling? I mean, we all love a story, um, discussions, etc. And then also perhaps how long each episode is, which you've probably looked at in your competitor research, talking to people and people might say, yeah, the problem is Diary of a CEO is great, but it goes on for an hour and 50 minutes, most episodes or whatever. And then you have to listen to it in stages. And so what is it? What's the length? What is it that people want? And also what tone and style we mean by that is, is it more conversational or perhaps it's a bit more instructional if depending obviously on what your podcast is and in what industry this market research it's something that you would do at the outset if you knew you wanted to launch and start a podcast you definitely do it then 
Minnie, we're sort of 18 months to two years into our podcast, and I think we need to do some more research now at this stage. And now we've sort of bedded it in and go back to it. This is not a one and done thing. This is something that you should revisit to make sure that you're still connecting in the way you want to with your audience and that you're still relevant and engaging for your audience. It's a sad fact, but the majority of podcasts don't actually make it past episode seven. It's usually because you get all excited in the beginning and you plow all your time and energy into the launch. And then you might find yourself running out of steam a few months later because there wasn't a proper content strategy in place. It's called pod fade. Fortunately, it's not (laughs) happened to us. (laughs) We seem to be coming up with episode ideas, interesting people to talk to, and we, we still love it. We still love this whole podcasting thing. But this is what we touched on before, you know, the point about brainstorming content and batch producing shows is really good. We meet once a week to brainstorm content ideas, to look at pictures that have come in and to think about what next, what mini series we might want to create, what questions that our clients and customers have been asking us that we could perhaps answer through the form of a podcast. So we have a strategy in place and a marketing plan. And this eliminates the guesswork of what we're going to record each week and helps us to feel confident that our content is going to attract and nurture and convert our listeners. Be mindful that if you don't have a content strategy in place and a proper plan, then you may hit that that wall in a few months down the line. Yeah, definitely. It's having a think, isn't it? We talk about, in marketing, people talk about content pillars. And what we mean by that is is themes, really. And I mean, we could talk briefly about our cracking copy themes just to give you an idea, really. They're not set in stone and we do deviate from them. But for example, you know, our first pillar is copywriting basics and fundamentals. That's when we talk about maybe some of the copywriting formulas. You know, there's the, we've done a a couple of podcasts, I think, on on formulas, and we talk about the ADA model: attention, interest, desire, action. You know, these are kind of sort of fundamentals that we talk about to try and make copywriting easier for mm-hmm. our listeners who are writing for their businesses. Yeah. And then content pillar number two: sort of content marketing strategies. So we might talk about the various content formats, like blog posts. Uh, recently, we did an interview with Tamsin Henson, which was on case study writing, you know, email campaigns, and sort of tips on developing brand voice, a consistent brand voice, and tailoring your content to specific mar- marketing channels. So we've done writing for LinkedIn and writing for Twitter, etc. Then a third pillar, we look at overcoming common copywriting challenges, topics such as overcoming writer's block, addressing common mistakes in copywriting, etc. And then a fourth, case studies and success stories. So that might be case studies of small businesses, of entrepreneurs who have effectively used copywriting to enhance their effort. So that's sort of how we would work around planning our podcasts so that they all interact with our main theme, which is to, I guess, help people to have the confidence with their messaging and write better and although actually this podcast and the previous podcast about podcasting is perhaps off-piste but it's a great marketing tool for us that's all part of it there's writing involved you know there's how do you promote a podcast well you need to write about it you need to write your show scripts you need to write the show notes so 
there is a lot of copywriting involved in that. And obviously, that's something that we're bringing to you in a different way. Yeah. So how do we do cracking copy? Well, we aim to publish two episodes a month. We do everything ourselves. Uh, we don't outsource anything at the moment. But as with any content strategy, consistency is important, but also sustainability is equally important to us. And by that, we mean we haven't overstretched ourselves by committing to a weekly show. Um, I mean, that might change in time, but for now, our fortnightly podcast has served as well. It means we can both fit it into our existing commitments and schedule. We don't burn out with it. We don't burn out on topic ideas. We've got plenty in the bank and there's time to arrange interviews and time to set it all out. Another way to host a podcast without burning out is to record in series. Um, That way you can batch produce a number of shows, say five to 10 episodes, and then take a break after that and to assess and take stock and plan your next series. So you may have a series of five to 10 episodes that runs over, well, five to 10 weeks, let's say, and then you take a break and you tell your listeners, that's it for series one. We'll be back in a few months with our next series. Let us know what you like. And you, you've got time then between. So you're not constantly on the treadmill of recording, planning, but you're doing it in, in sections. Yeah, I think that can be a good way to start, actually, yeah. or to work through it. And also, if, if it depends really on your topic and the type of podcast, but you can actually then theme your series. So we talk about our content pillars and... We don't have series as such, but you could do your themes, your content pillars as different series, which might work really nicely. Yeah, I think it's a great idea doing series. And I think it may be a model that we move to um, in the future. Um, Ultimately, we've outsourced nothing. We completely bootstrapped our podcast with the minimum investment. And that's really the ethos of our course. We want to help other people who think they've got podcasts in you. We want to help you bring that to life and launch it. We do. We've talked about the industry really still booming. And if you have a podcast in you, it's it's not too late. We're running a workshop this month in February, on February the 15th. In the show notes, you'll find a link to sign up. And that point of that workshop that we're going to do is to help you to focus on what you might podcast about, who your target audience might be, and to help you plan your first episodes. And then the idea from that is that then if you think, yes, hopefully you will see an opportunity and a chance to promote a business idea or a a passion project or whatever it is that you want to podcast about and then come on to our 28-day program. um, Yeah, join the webinar if you um, have an inkling of an idea and you really want to nail this concept. If you want to explore it, we're doing it together, workshop style, and we really look forward to having you there. Details are in the show notes. You have been listening to the Cracking Copy podcast with Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride. Don't miss out on future episodes by making sure you hit subscribe down below to keep up with all our podcasts. And more details and resources are in our show notes. So we'll see you next time.